Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm your host, Russ Chevalier. This is episode number 106. And this time we're going to think about what we need to do to achieve this concept of emotional commotion in our images. I apologize that the podcast has been a bit irregular in terms of output lately. You know what happens? My day-to-day job has been taking up more of my time, but I try to keep up. So what is emotional commotion anyway? It's the quality of an image that makes you feel something when you truly see an image. And by seeing, I mean, you're really looking at it. You're getting engaged. You're not just glancing at something on a screen, for example, and move or scrolling through a bunch of photos on the smartphone. You're never going to catch it that way. If you really look at an image and in the end, the best thing that you can say is nice picture or decent composition or pretty colors or good exposure. That image is likely lacking any emotional commotion from your perspective. It's not doing anything for you. So how do you get it? It being emotional commotion, a photograph that doesn't make you feel anything is at best disposable to you. It's important to note that this concept of emotional commotion is highly personal. An image that has a lot of emotional context to me could have none at all to you, and that's okay. The only person who must really feel emotional commotion is the artist, him or herself. If others do, that's a bonus, but if you're building work for the purpose of trying to pull emotions out of others, you may be setting yourself up for failure. I understand that we all make lots of images and not all of them are going to have this emotional power. That's okay. It's not probable that every image will have it. But if you've come home after a shooting event with hundreds of images and none of them strike an emotional chord in you, maybe it's time to step back and figure out why not. This is actually easier than it might sound. Let's start by asking some questions. Why are we squeezing the shutter in the first place? Are we making the image because it matters to us? Are we making it because we like the light? If we are, what do we like about the light? Train yourself to perform the W5H before you go squeezing the shutter. This is a pretty simple construct. It's who, what, when, where, why, and how. The kinds of questions that we should be thinking about when we're trying to make a really amazing image. This is the whole idea of pre-visualization and preparation and thinking about the outcome, starting with the end in mind, if you will. Sometimes the answer to these questions is not particularly illuminating. That's not a bad thing. I might say, for example, that I'm going to go out to try to capture images of snowy owls in flight. That's a perfectly valid reason for shooting. I'm going to be working on technique. I'm going to be working on exposure management. I'm going to be working on focus management. I'm going to be working on composition. And in the end, I may or may not succeed in getting images that appeal to me, but I'm going to accept up front that even if I get an image that I decide is worth the time to complete the editing process and make a print, it still may not have a lot of emotional commotion. Emotion is a particularly human entity. We can anthropomorphize if we want and place that emotion elsewhere. 
Lots of folks who never make photos of people do so with critters and that's okay. I'll give you a cheap and low grade example of grumpy cat, you know, that internet thing. You could look at the photos and some of them might make you laugh at the critters expression. That laughter is your interpretation of the image and that's the emotional response. It's your response to the image, not the image itself. And we don't actually know that the cat is in fact grumpy or that the cat in fact has a human emotion at all. I understand that many pet owners claim that their pets have very wide emotional ranges and that's great. I'm not a biologist or a neurochemist and I have no idea about the veracity of the concept, but I've certainly seen many dogs appear to smile and I've seen many cats appear to flip me the bird. When I first worked with raptors nearly 40 years ago, I got to work very briefly with a golden eagle by the name of Gronk, and all of us were quite certain that it was his emotional goal to rend our faces into mincemeat. He never did, but we interpreted the look in his eyes to indicate our belief that, yeah, that's actually what he wanted to do. What we see from this is that the emotional response is something that occurs internally to us. And it would be crazy to presume that our internal reaction to any image is going to be the same for all people. It just doesn't work that way. Now, if you're not clear about what I mean by this idea of emotional commotion, a good way to learn is to look at some images that are, well, pretty well respected for having a lot of emotional commotion. So I'm going to give you three to look at. And a couple of them I brought up in the past on other tutorials and podcasts. That's okay. It's because they're super powerful. The first image is called Migrant Mother, and it was photographed by Dorothea Lang during the Great Depression in the 30s, the 1930s. If you've never seen it, use Google to find this and the other images. Now, there's been a lot of chatter about this well after the fact. You know, we're almost a hundred years since the photo has been photographed. So there's a lot of crap on the internet about it. Heck, there's a lot of crap on the internet. So I really couldn't give a crap about whether there are kids missing or kids added, or if the shot is staged or the positions of the people were altered. That's time wasting BS for people who don't actually get out of the basement and go use a camera. It has no value. What I want you to do instead is take the time and look at the image and see what, if anything, it makes you feel. Now, if it makes you feel nothing, I'm sorry for you because I think it's a, an extremely powerful photo. But if it doesn't, that's cool too. It gives you a sense of what is going to impact you emotionally and not. I find the photograph is overflowing with emotion. But the ones that I feel could be very different from the ones that you feel. And that is also okay. The goal is not necessarily to all feel the same thing, but that the photo provokes an emotional response. What that response is, is dependent on the individual. The next image I'm going to refer you to is called the vulture and the little girl photographed by Kevin Carter. Now, whenever I show this image, it creates an emotional torrent. No one I've ever met has not reacted to this in some way. What's interesting is that different viewers react completely differently. I think that's a good thing. I'm not going to go through the whole story of the image in the podcast. 
I'll just leave it with the knowledge that the child was not in the danger that so many people determined she was in and consequently tortured Mr. Carter over. The third image I want you to go hunt for and take a look at is boy with wine or boy with bottles of wine. The artist is Henri Cartier-Bresson. That's C-A-R-T-I-E-R-B-R-E-S-S-O-N. This is a wonderful image, and it's a great example of very, very classical street photography. Cartier-Bresson definitely had an eye for the decisive moment. In fact, we coined that term around his work. This image, I think, blossoms with emotional commotion. And again, what you feel from it is entirely dependent upon how you react to things. Thus, we see in many cases, emotional commotion involves images of other people. But you can make a landscape image that has great emotional commotion. Some of the images made by my friend John G. Moore on the Isle of Skye have that impact on me. The way he has captured the light and the shadow and the story that I find in these images of Skye absolutely create an emotional reaction. When I went to the site of the Manzanar internment camp in the fall of 2017, for me, the place was overflowing with emotional commotion in my mind and how I was responding to it. I found it gutting, but at the same time, there were some kids walking around with their parents and clearly there was no reaction for them at all. They were joking around, a little bit bored, didn't really seem to care a lot about what had happened there. When I look at my Manzanar images, they're gut-wrenching to me. To other folks, they could be just boring photos. Now, with respect, I don't give a crap what other people feel. The photos are made for me. If others do look at them and feel something from it, well, cool. Because in the end, is emo the emotional commotion is what you personally feel when you look at an image, be it one of your own or one by another artist. It's rarer than we might like, certainly not in every image, and with over a trillion photos made in 2018, and where most of them have the emotional content of a ball of snot, sadly, a really powerful photo is still very rare. Now, I'm not impressed by most of what I see. Other people might look at it and have it mean a lot, and that's the whole point. The idea behind emotional commotion is what it pulls out of you. And by the way, if it's not pulling anything out of you, it probably won't pull anything out of anybody else. Because as different as we all are as human beings, we're also often very, very consistent. One thing I will tell you is if you're still judging your work by the comments from other people, you got bigger problems than emotional commotion. Cut it out. When you make a photograph, when you do a painting, when you make a sculpture, it's for you. If others get some benefit from it, great. But art is personal and it has the capacity for enormous emotional commotion and it's also open to interpretation. So different folks are going to react differently. I can look at the work of Vincent van Gogh and can sit in front of some of his paintings for hours 
the feelings they evoke are incredibly strong. I feel the same way about the sculpture of Auguste Rodin. At the same time, I can look at the work of Jackson Pollock, and I appreciate that he's a renowned artist. But with rare exceptions, his work does nothing for me. I find nothing in it. But that doesn't make it bad. And the fact that I feel something from it doesn't necessarily make the work of Van Gogh good. They are what they are. How I react and how you react can be completely different. The same thing is true about your photographs. Go through the W5H. Think about why you're pressing the shutter. What feelings do you have when you press the shutter? And by the way, it doesn't hurt to write them down. If you're out all day and you shoot 800 frames, when you look at them later that day or two or three or days later or a week later, or maybe even a few weeks, depending on when you download your cards, you might not feel the same way. You might be in a different mood. So sometimes writing down what you're feeling when you take that image, why did I shoot this? What was I thinking? Can be very helpful in getting back to that point when it comes time to finish the image. Do you have an idea for an article, tutorial, a video, or a podcast? Do you have a imaging question that's not related to this topic? Send me an email directly at ross at thephotovideoguy.ca or leave a post in the comments section. When you email your questions on any imaging topic, I'll try to respond within a day. If you shop with B&H Photo Video, please consider doing this through the link on thephotovideoguy.ca. This helps support my efforts and it has no negative impact whatsoever on your own shopping experience. If you find the podcast, the videos, or the articles of value, please consider clicking the donation tab in the sidebar of the website and buy me a coffee. Your donation goes to help me keep things going here. I'm Ross Chevalier. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. And until next time, peace.